to 1 Timothy and chapter 6. Okay. I thought I'd left my Bible somewhere for a moment. I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to... Dave, give us your Bible quickly. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 6. We've been going, just to let you know, if you're visiting us, we've been going through a preaching series through the letter, 1 Timothy. You'll find it in the New Testament. It's written by a guy called Paul to a chap called Timothy, believe it or not. The clue is in the title. And it's at a place called Ephesus. And what Paul is doing is he's instructing Timothy how to lead a church. What needs to be the in, uh, initial or key or important ingredients and in how to govern a church and how to do it well. What to watch out for and what to hold on to. And we've been going through this series for several months now and we've covered some pretty meaty topics. So I'm not going to whistle through them. If you want to find out more, please go to our downloads, go online and you'll be able to catch up with us. But this is the last in the series. Last week, Paul spoke about eternity and money. So I'm going to really follow on from that. I'm going to dovetail, hopefully, or add on to what Paul has already shared. But if you're there, 1 Timothy, chapter 6, and we'll read together. This is the title, the internal, not the internal, the eternal investment. I just want you to look at that on the screen for a moment. The eternal investment, building for the future. And what we're really going to be looking at is treasure that lasts. Hold on to this title as we go through it. Let's read it together. I'm going to read it on the screen with you. If you have a Bible, you can follow along, but it will be on the screen. So this is Paul reading or writing to Timothy. He says, Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world. If you remember, I listened to Paul's preach last week and this is about where he got up to. Command those who are rich in this present world and I think we can, we can get into that camp and I appreciate, I was speaking to Natalie about this in the week. In our nation there is extreme poverty, granted, but actually our nation is one of the richest on the planet. We are the rich ones in this present world, but there is extreme poverty as well. But I consider myself a very rich man, not in wealth, but in, in, in many other blessings, okay? This is particularly looking at wealth, but I want to draw out some principles. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, isn't that true? But to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Timothy, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and to be willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you Guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge. There's a lot of stuff that is batted around today that is called knowledge. We need to guard ourselves away from it. Anything that looks to oppose or stand against the word of God is not knowledge. 
guard against it, which some have professed and in doing so have wandered from the faith. And he finishes off with this lovely statement, grace be with you. Can I ask you to stand with me as we pray? I'd really love us to all engage right now. I was praying earlier in the office, just my heart is that some of heaven would crash in this morning. And I had a lovely time of worship. I felt worship was beautiful. But I pray through the preaching of the word, heaven would continue to crash in. I pray, Lord Jesus, for hearts that are open, for ears that are open, for minds that are ready to change. Lord, would we be like clay in your hand this morning? I pray you'd speak to every heart. For those that know you, I pray draw them closer. For those that don't know you, I pray draw them closer. I pray would you change every heart in some way here this morning. I pray for abundance of grace. In Jesus' good name, amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Unless you want to stand for the remainder of the preach. So last week, Paul spoke about money and eternity, and I listened, I thought it was great, looked about how to be content, contentment, godliness with contentment is great gain, he touched on that, and he looked at dangers of greed, and then he finished with the dangers that wealth can bring, and also some duties that us, that are rich, should do, or the wealthy should do, and he The dangers were, if you remember, were putting your hope in wealth. That is a danger. It's so easy to do that, but it's a danger, to put your hope in wealth. And another thing is to be arrogant. I think it's so easy to do that. And in the Western world, I think we are an arrogant society. I think it's so easy to fall into that trap. We know what's best. We know what's right. I remember my wife, she did three months mission work in Zimbabwe, And she stayed with people in mud huts and she said they're the most joyful people she's ever met. They had nothing, yet they had everything. You know? I'm going to, and he talked about having an eternal perspective. I want to carry on this theme this morning with an eternal perspective. So I want you to see through, yes, three score years and ten, however long we've got here, right? I want you to see past your life on earth. And I want you to have an eternal perspective that goes right into eternity, into the new age to come. I know it's difficult to do that, but imagine, humour me for a little while. Look at yourself looking into the future. I want to jump back. In verse 7 in chapter 6, he says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. And in Job 1, it says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. It's graphic, isn't it? So empty-handed and naked we all arrived. And empty-handed and naked we will all leave. I've had the privilege of seeing two of my children born. They came with nothing. Nothing. And that's exactly how we're going to leave. When you expire here on earth, and if you didn't realise, one day you will expire here on earth. I thought about that yesterday as I was just going around my notes just thinking, oh crumbs, yeah, I'm going to expire one day. wonder what that's going to be like. You can't take anything with you. 
And I know Paul touched on this last week. And I thought, it's not even like EasyJet. You can't take a carry-on. There's nothing. There's no little size. No, not even that, sir. No liquids. No sun cream. Nout. No carry-on case. You leave with nothing. So I want you to think for a moment, what, what have you got? Think about your car, your clothes. You all look fantastic, by the way. What have you got? Because in a moment, it can all change. But as a Christian, what I mean by that is someone, if you're here this morning thinking, what do you mean by that? Someone that has accepted this Lord Jesus that we've been singing about, the Saviour, someone that has accepted him into their lives, someone that has accepted him. Do you know what we have? We have the beautiful inheritance of eternal life. And although we can't take a carry-on case with us, we can invest into the future. We can send things ahead of us. For the Christian, death is not the end. Eternal life waits for all of those that say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Saviour. Eternal life is awaiting for you. And like I've said right at the start when I shared about Trevor, we seem to have been in this place week after week after week. We're, we're grieving, but we're rejoicing, saying, wow, Trevor's looking at Jesus right now, face to face, and he's received his salvation in full. So death is not the end. For Alan, a few weeks ago, death was not the end. It was just a doorway into a beautiful future. Everything we do now here on earth is all preparation. What you do today, what you did yesterday, what you do next week, is all in preparation for eternal life. We're investing into the future. So when I say we're sending things ahead of us, the only thing I could think of is a postal service. It's not like packaging up your favourite jumper and saying, I like that, I want that for eternity, I'm going to ping that to heaven. A, it'll cost you a fortune, and B, you can't do it. It's not like the postal service where we're, we're wrapping up all our treasures and we're sending them off. Do you know what? It's stuff we cannot see here. The Bible calls it treasure, rewards, I want to look at the word treasure, because that's in the text. The Bible calls it treasure, and it's treasure that you just don't see here. Sometimes you get glimmers of it, but you don't see the fullness here. But you will, in what we see here, described as the age to come. I can only look at this as referring to the day Jesus comes, to the day when everything is made new, to the day when the kingdom of God has fully come. That's the age to come. That's why we're here. That's why I'm jolly well here week after week after week. It's not just to be with you guys, as lovely as that is, but I want Jesus to come. I'm waiting for the day when Jesus comes because then my hip won't hurt anymore. Then my mind won't think crazy things anymore. Then I won't do silly things anymore. And I'll be healed totally and saved totally and in peace totally. That's the age to come. So the Bible talks about this treasure that we can store up. Now it's not like treasure here on earth, because as soon as I hear the word treasure, I think of pirates, I think of jewels, I think of rubies, I think of that kind of treasure, money. And in Matthew 6, Jesus gives us very, uh, 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 
provoking contrast. And he says, I'm going to paraphrase, don't, whatever you do, don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where rust and moths and robbers can break in and steal that treasure. Don't do it. Instead, store up for yourselves, lay up for yourselves, treasure in heaven, where there will be no rust or moths that will nibble away at it, or where robbers will not jolly well get in and nick it. I've heard a statement that goes, you can go to bed rich and you can wake up poor. You can go to bed with loads of possessions and you can wake up thinking, I've been robbed, everything's gone. So we're told to not store up this treasure on earth. What will this treasure be? Well, I'm not too sure. Loads of people have had uh, thought into it. I'm not really going to go down that avenue today. One thing we do know is that we'll be face to face with Jesus. One thing we do know is we're going to be in our Saviour's presence for eternity. And if that is not treasure enough, I don't know what is. John Piper, a great Bible teacher, I took this quote, it says, Someday, this is John Piper, Someday, at the return of the Lord Jesus, the world will be made new. I wonder what that will be like. The kingdom of God will come fully, and Jesus himself will be the great, all-satisfying treasure in that beautiful new world. So whatever treasure I'm going to be speaking about this morning or your mind is wandering off to, I want the greatest treasure to be the pearl of great price. That is Jesus Christ. He is the greatest, all-surpassing, satisfying treasure. So ultimately, it's knowing him. But what else might it be? The Bible speaks of an inheritance to come for those in Christ. If you know your Bible, it talks about we are inheriting what God has won for us. Judy, earlier, prayed a prayer of victory, if you remember. Jesus won an incredible victory on the cross. It wasn't just our salvation. That is amazing. He won for us sonship. He won for us heirs. We're we're heirs of Christ. So I can call God Father, Abba, Father. That's how I found myself praying this morning, believe it or not. Not, oh, dear Lord, merciful God, as true as that is, but Father. Father. That's our inheritance to come as well. We're going to know him for all eternity as Father. As Father. It also talks about rewards according to what we've done here. And in, <laughs> we can either invest well or invest badly. There's no easy way of saying it. You can either put your money in stocks that will go well or stocks that will crash. Have you had experience in that in your life? I've got friends that put money on the football. I don't. But I've got friends that don't know Jesus that do. And they're always wrong. Because we follow a very bad football team. (laughs) 2 Corinthians... 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat. So whether you know Christ or not, we're all going to appear before him. And that each one may receive what is due him for the things that he's done while in the body, whether good or bad. And in 1 Corinthians, that is 2 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians it says, 
If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, and the day here is in the capital D, so it's talking about the approaching day, the coming age, when Jesus comes, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. So all of my good works, all of Santino, Constantine, Hamberis's good works will be tested with fire. And it will be seen for what it truly is. And all of my work will be tested for the quality in each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive a reward. Thank you. But if it's burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. So you can be here saved this morning. You've accepted Christ as your saviour. You're going to glory. And you could, you, you could sit here and do nothing for the rest of your life. Not help a soul, not do a bee, not do anything and still be saved. But you'll be like one that's just slipped, fallen through. Or you could be here this morning and say, how do I want to invest all that God's given me? How do I want to do that? What do I want to do? What's going to benefit him and the kingdom? What's going to bring more people in? What we do now is all preparation and it ripples into eternity. What I want to look at as quick as I can, because it's hot, it's stuffy. I want to finish on a high this morning. What I want to look at is how we store up treasure. How we are going to invest well into the future. How do we lay it up for ourselves? just want to jump back into this text and in verses 18 and 19 it says command them to do good Timothy command them to do good to be rich in good deeds to be generous willing to share because in this way thus in this way they will lay up for themselves treasure as a firm foundation so what I want to look at is good deeds generosity and willing to share. There's some three quick, hopefully punchy headings, and I want to look at them each in turn. And it's going to be heart surgery, really. It's going to be a heart deal. It's not about legalistic duty. It's not about what we must do. It's going to be what's in the heart, really. So firstly, good deeds. And each one of these headings, just to be transparent with you this morning, I have found incredibly challenging. And I believe and trust that you will have as well as I go through them. Firstly, good deeds. It goes beyond just being good. This text says to be rich. Timothy, command them to be rich in good deeds. So it's not just talking to the pastor. Paul's not just talking to the pastor, Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, command the rest of them to be rich in good deeds. And I was looking up rich on the dictionary, and you know you get all the other explanations, and one of them was ridiculous. It literally said ridiculous. Rich, another explanation for rich is to be ridiculous. And I love that. I love that. We're to be ridiculous with good deeds. Because that's what rich will look like. Because when we say we're just to be good deeds, it's okay, I can do a few nice things, but if I truly loved Richard and Anna, I would be ridiculous in the way that I wanted to help and serve them. If I truly loved my town, I'd be ridiculous in the way I wanted to reach it and serve it and bless it. 
So it's about being full of good actions, not just the occasional good duty. Not when you're feeling like it. Because very often, if you're anything, if I'm having a good day, you've got me on a good day. But if I'm having a bad day, you'd ask my wife. If I haven't had breakfast in the morning, the whole world is ending. <laughs> Literally, Em will say, have you, have you eaten? No. I have some toast and everything's fine again. But if that is not what it's speaking. It's, it's whatever you feel like, whether it's good or bad, you're to be ridiculous in good deeds. Whether someone has wronged you, just be ridiculous in good deeds. God is good. And it's not irreverent me saying he is ridiculously good. Has he been ridiculously good to you? Sounds like he he has been ridiculously good to you. What did he heal you of, by the way? Hearing. I heard someone shout out, what were you healed of? So, hearing. He has been ridiculously good to you. He's been ridiculously good to me. And because of his goodness we can now reflect goodness to others. In Hebrews 10 it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So we're to spur one another on. We're not just to sit there and listen to what each other do, we're to keep pushing. Trev, Tracy, keep going for it with all your might. Keep doing great stuff. Nikki, just keep going. I want to urge you, just... Keep going. You serve the youth so brilliantly well. Keep going. I'm serious, actually. So, yeah. But that's what we're to do. We just keep going. Arthur Hedges, keep serving the Lord as you do. Keep reaching out to your neighbours. Keep doing good stuff. I'll get you if I catch your eye. But that's what we're to do. Urge each other. You guys are wonderful. I hear story after story of people that they don't want to blow trumpets about it. People don't want recognition. They just get on and do it. They're just great at doing stuff. The pastoral care, Ma- Margaret Persclough, I've caught your eye. The pastoral care that Margaret shows people, and Marguerite, is phenomenal. Graham and Jane Delves, phenomenal. We can go on and on and on. Keep going. I urge you to keep going. I got a lovely card from Gary and Jill Dyer last week after conducting Alan's funeral. And I said to Gary, what an incredible blessing it was. It was such a lovely gesture, gesture, a card. I got into the office and there was this card in my pigeon. I was like, oh, that's nice. I opened it up and I'm genuinely tearful. Bless my socks off. A card to say thank you for conducting Alan's funeral in the way you did. Wonderful. I want to urge us as one family, let's keep going, yeah? Amen. Let's just keep serving our socks off. Let's bless our town ridiculously. And let's bless each other ridiculously. The gospel is brilliant news. And the good news of Jesus is expressed through word and deed. It's not just proclamation, as important as that is. It's through loving people. It's through genuinely walking step by step with people. And you just serve them. You just love them. We can't just do it through word alone. Jesus didn't. He just didn't. I want to I show you something. Matthew, you don't need to turn there. Matthew's Gospel helps if I'm in the New Testament. That was in the Old. Definitely not there. Matthew 25. 
listen to this. It's a parable, but I, wonder, I just my mind went here, and the, 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 there's great principles here. He's, a, he's talking through parables, right? Stories, stories. And he says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came and visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, hang on, hang on a minute. W- when did we see you hungry? And, and fed you. When did you go thirsty and we gave you something to drink? When, when exactly did we see you as a stranger and invite you in? Sorry, help us, or, or needing clothes, or, and clothe you. When did this happen? When did we see you sick, Lord, and go to visit you? Then the king will reply, Jesus said. I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And there's a wonderful principle we need to see there. We can so often think that there's certain works that are good and certain that are bad. And, and actually what he's saying is actually just feeding people, clothing people, visiting people, loving people. It's as if we're doing it for Jesus. Because we are jolly well doing it for Jesus. As we're doing it as if doing it for him. Every kind expressive action is expressing the gospel in some way or another. You might be here thinking, but I only do little things. I only do little things. That is brilliant. It's expressing the gospel if it's done out of a heart of love and care. I want to mention the food bank. We do some great things here as a church, but the food bank is a brilliant expression of the gospel in action. Would you agree? There's no agenda. We're not feeding people, and then after six weeks... Any, any movements on Jesus? No? Then we're going to bring the food back in a little bit then? No. Whether people come to Christ or not, we're going to feed them. Because they're hungry. That's what Jesus would do, isn't it? That's what the food bank is all about. That's the heart of it. Whatever we do, when we token it work to the poor, I want us to have a heart where it could happen to any of us at any time. And we're just to help people. The food bank is brilliant. As a church, we want to think of multiple ways. This is just a start. Hopefully, this is just the tip of the iceberg. But I know how busy these guys are. But we want to think of multiple ways, don't we, where we can just bless our town. We can just serve our town. We can just feed and clothe and help and love our town. It's no good just telling people. As brilliant as that is, we have to demonstrate it through actions. My mother-in-law is a street pastor, and I'm so proud of her. It's great to tell my children, guess where Granny was last night? Outside Yates's, telling people about Jesus. It's amazing. I know that my children will be blessed through their grandma's work. She's an inspiration. Brilliant. In James 2, for time, we're not going to turn there, but I'll just give you the Bible references. In verse 18, James 2, verse 18, verse 22, and verse 26, it all alludes to our faith needs to be backed up, actually, by what we do. It's no good saying, I have faith, but I'm not willing to do anything. Our faith is evidenced, actually, by what we do. We're not saved by it, by our works, we're not, we don't stand right before God by our actions, 
But because we are right before God, we want to act. Amen? Does that make sense? So our faith, if I'm truly a Christian, if I truly follow Christ, I will follow him. Everything he does. Wow, that's challenging. So my faith needs to be backed up with my good deeds. We're told to be like salt and light in the world, and I've touched on this several times through this series, but just briefly, we're to be salt and light that makes a difference. That's what salt and light does. When you turn the light on, you're like, oh, it's bright. When you put salt in food, you're like, oh, that's delicious. That's what we're to be, bright and delicious to our town. Not just awkward Christians that just get in the way and are moralistic and stand on their high horse. We're to be bright and delicious. Whatever that looks like. (laughs) I'm going to move on. The church is full of people, this church is full of people that do great, great deeds. And I want to commend you all in some way. You're an inspiration. You really are. There's not a week that goes by that I haven't heard a story after story of like, have you heard what such and such has done? It's, It's amazing. So every kind of thoughtful act is storing up treasure in heaven. Generosity. These ones are shorter. Generosity. This one challenges me. A dictionary definition for generosity is kindness, big-heartedness, open-handedness, and charity. So generosity is an incredibly wonderful godly virtue. It's incredibly wonderful. And I know some incredibly generous people here, and they're, oh, breath of fresh air. And I honestly think, I wish I could be like you. I find it so challenging. Lord, help me. Because it doesn't come easy, does it? It's costly. By definition, it costs you something. And it's a heart deal. It's a heart issue. Jesus said the same in Matthew 6. He says, where, where your treasure is, what's going to be with the treasure? your heart. And this is one of the most provoking scriptures that I come across. When I do come across it, I want to quickly skip on. Because it's easy to be materialistic in this world. Chase after money. I need money just to be secure. Jesus says, just seek first his kingdom and he'll make things secure for you. (laughs) God has been incredibly generous to us. And I was thinking about this. He lay his whole life down. That's how generous. I might lend you a tenner. I jest. I'll probably lend you eleven fifty. <laughs> Jesus lay his whole life down on the cross. His whole life. We're not going to ever, ever see a, a more generous act on humanity because one life shared, one life. <laughs> One life has meant that hundreds upon thousands upon millions can now go freely in. Since God is so generous, we can do the same. In Psalm 37, 21, the second half of the verse says, and the righteous give generously. And the righteous give generously. A personal example. A couple of years ago, me and my family, me and my wife and my two children, we were up on Galley Hill in a, I want you to picture it, up on Galley Hill 
in Bexhill in a Renault Scenic with a Kentucky Fried Chicken. It was romantic, to say the least. We were looking, that's, that's how I treat M. It's, it's, a, she, oh, it's amazing, thanks. Um, we had McDonald's yesterday, actually, so we're just working our way through. So we're in a Renault Scenic, Galley Hill, looking out to the sea, eating our Kentucky Fried Chicken, and then out the corner of my eye, I see this man coming towards us with a bag. That's all he had. I don't think he had a top on, actually. And he's looking on the floor, and it's clear this guy was homeless or in need. And I remember sitting there thinking, wow, we're in the warmth, we've got some music on, I'm eating my popcorn chicken. Everything's going well for us right now, but it's not for that guy. And I remember this moment that I, I went... Tenor. Tenor. I'm being honest with you, right? I, I struggled to think, to just give him a tenner. I came to the conclusion that I would give him this ten pounds. As I was going, about to get out of the car, I felt the Lord say, give him your jacket. I said, but I love this jacket. <laughs> Seriously, this is a true story. And I tussled and I thought... With a tenner, he, can, he might be able to find some. I love this jacket. In the end, I went to give, get out and give him the jacket, and he, as I got out, the guy ran. He was like a wounded animal. As I went towards him, do you remember him? I, I said, hey, mate, and he just legged it. And I've, I've remembered that story ever since, because it was doing something in my heart. It was, God was challenging my heart, revealing again that I, I have everything. Granted, a beaten-up old Renault Scenic, but I have everything. Wonderful family. This guy had nothing by the look of things. And yet all I could do is say, there's a screwed-up tenor there. And God just whispered, your jacket. Give him your jacket. That's generosity. When, when God gets your heart and you're willing to just give what he puts on your heart, it's amazing. Being generous means to bless people. And through blessing others, you get blessed. Have you ever had that experience? As the saying goes, it's better to <laughs> give than to receive. When my mum used to tell me that as a kid, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's what all the adults say. I just want more toys. It's always better to give than to receive. No, it's not. But it actually is. And scripture seems to uh, line up with that. In Proverbs, that is a quality ring chain. I was listening to that just yesterday. Scripture says, Proverbs 11 says, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will in himself be refreshed. Have you ever seen the programme A Secret Millionaire? It's my favourite show. I cry every time watching that thing. Every, every time. And then often looks at me and the words out of her mouth are very loving and compassionate. You big baby. <laughs> I'd be like, oh. I used to do the same with Surprise, Surprise. Do you remember that with Silla Black? Yeah. Me and my mum just weeping, watching these families being reunited. I love Secret Millionaire. This is, this is, for those that don't watch it, this is what happens. Millionaires go undercover and they go into deprived areas, actually, of our nation. And they help with charities that are doing brilliant works. Brilliant, brilliant charities. And they go undercover and pretend just to be a volunteer in their charity. And at the end, it's like, surprise, I'm a millionaire. And then you can see the people go, oh, right. And I'd like to give you several thousand towards what you're doing. Oh, I can feel it already. 
And it gets you every time. You're like, you see these people like, no, I can't take it. And they're like, I want to. And you, what you see is this brilliant transaction go on where it's blessing them because this several thousand means they can run for years. But what it does to the millionaire, he realises, <laughs> he gets perspective, or she gets perspective. It's not about wealth. What they've just done is blessed people. It's an amazing show. You'll have to watch it. A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes will himself be refreshed. I want to move on. Willing to share. Willing to share. This is very much linked with generosity. Are you willing to share the stuff that you have? I don't know. Acts 4.32, all the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. Doesn't that challenge you to the core? Think about what you have again, what car you drive, what clothes you wear. Is it your own, or are you willing to just go, hey, you can use that, you can borrow that? My good friend Brian is always, always so generous to us as a family. Whenever he goes away, here's my keys, use the house, use the car, eat from the fridge. Thank you. We will. (laughs) I've sold the car, yeah. I've sold your car and your house. And it's gone into the gift day we're doing in a few weeks. He's so generous. And many here are the same. Many here are the same. It challenges me. It can be easy to give away old stuff. I've got a battered old sofa that I'm so willing to give away. And I felt so virtuous the other day when I asked someone, do you know anyone that would like a sofa? You know, it's, <laughs> it's our old sofa. But then there's challenge from yesterday from God that just went, what about your new one that's arriving on Wednesday? <laughs> anyone want the old sofa? <laughs> you know, it's, man... God is willing to share eternity with us. God's willing to share the best with us. Ah, so much more to say. Hebrews 13, 16 says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. God is pleased. We've got an inheritance to come and God is willing to share eternal glory with us. That's sharing. That is sharing. And we're going to share that for all eternity. I want to finish with this last, last point. Lastly, and to finish off, and I think this wraps it all together. Liz, I think the scripture will come up behind us. It says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed, but in doing so have wandered from the faith. Grace be with you. I love that. Grace be with you. It's all about grace, you know. That's what it's all about. Grace. Have you received grace? You're here this morning, someone that has received grace. It's beautiful. I remember 11 years ago I received grace. It's so precious. And no one can take it away from me. Remember hearing Matt's story, how Matt, you received grace. No one will ever take that away from you. It's all about that word there, grace. 
Here's a quote by John Stott, great Bible teacher. In Paul's concluding prayer in this text, grace be with you, the you is plural, and in many translations it renders it, grace be with you all. Grace be with you all. It indicates that Paul is looking beyond Timothy as he does throughout this letter to the congregations that he's supervising. They would not be able to, in their own strength, reject error and fight for truth, to run from evil and pursue goodness, to renounce covetousness and cultivate contentment and generosity. And in these Christian responsibilities to remain faithfully to the end, only divine grace could keep them. I want you to hear that. Only divine grace can keep you and move your heart. Only divine grace can keep them. So at the letter's conclusion, as at its beginning, the apostle wishes for them above all else to have an experience of the transforming and sustaining grace of God. It's all about grace, divine grace, God's unearned, undeserved, unmerited favour. That's what I received, a rebel. I got grace. We cannot do it under our own steam. We, each of us, need the transforming and sustaining grace of God. And we need it, if you agree, moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, year on, year out. There isn't a day that goes by that I do not need God's transforming and sustaining grace. Because I do and think and say some silly things at times. Without grace, we get locked into religion. And it's so easy to become driven, legalistic and law-bound and an attitude that says, I will be accepted. So you're telling me I'll be accepted if I do good and if I help and give and... uh, share and no that's not how you're going to get accepted grace accepts you you are accepted if, for those in Christ do you know what you're chosen you're loved you're accepted you're forgiven done sealed all eternity hallelujah done you are accepted every day i need to remind myself god please help me Please help me, I need your grace. I just need you. And don't feel like helping anyone today. I need you. Because you do. You feel like helping everyone. So I need you. So we do good deeds out of God's grace. We give generously out of the grace of God. And we are willing to share through God's grace only. I want to finish with this question. I've nicked it from John Stott, but I'm going to claim most of it from my own. Now, it's a question of perspective and of proportion. What is more valuable to you? Is it to be rich in this age? Or is it to be rich in the age to come? Is it to accumulate treasure and wealth and position and title here? Or is it to build and invest into the future? Is it to make a lot of money now? Or is it to take hold of the life that is truly life. Can we stand together? Let's pray. What we do now 
how we live now, from today, will ripple into eternity. And I want to finish this message, I want to finish this day, I want to finish this series with the same words that Paul closed this letter with. Grace be with each and every one of you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I pray for your abundant grace to flood over our lives. And again, I pray for those that know you, would you bless them? Would you draw them closer to you? For those that don't know you, would you bless them? Would you draw them closer to you? And I pray, Lord Jesus, in all that we do, would you take all the glory? Because it's due your name. We love you, Jesus. In your precious name we ask. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you all. Have a great rest of day, great Sunday, and see you next week.